Hey, this is Justin coming at you to welcome you back to another edition of Let Them Eat Takes. First off, apologies. This one has been in the queue for a bit longer than we'd like. We recorded this episode on the night of the NBA draft, so that was about a little over a week ago. But we're excited to bring this episode to you late rather than never. And this is a good episode, a very special episode, because not only do we spend a lot of time talking about basketball, which is kind of unfamiliar territory for um, Let Them Eat Takes, but we bring on a guest. And today's guest is Kevin Sprague. Kevin is a sports blogger who has contributed in the past to websites like hashtagbasketball.com, and soon he's going to be launching his own blog. Uh, he knows a lot about basketball. He was really fun to talk to. His segment is awesome. We actually have an intelligent conversation about sports, and we don't bring up dumb tweets from Dan Wilkin. So without further ado, this is Let Them Eat Takes. Bonjour, and welcome to Let Them Eat Takes, the sports podcast for the Outrage Era. I'm here once again with Scott and Justin. We have stuff to talk about. We have a lot of things happening in the world of sports. Some of them actually have to do with sports. Most of them don't, but they're sports adjacent. So we're going to talk about them. More than anything, some of the stuff that's been happening is just crazy. How are y'all doing, first of all? Doing pretty well. That uh, smell you smell is all of California burning down around me. So <laughs> what a time to be alive. Oh hey, my gosh. they threatened to cut power to the city every day for the last like 10 days, but they never did cut it out. So we did have water and power and AC. So it was nice. That's awesome. So times. what you're saying is we really need to hurry this along so we don't miss a beat because you could just lose power any second now. This is true. Yeah. But, the you know, free data on the work phone, so I just hop back in. Awesome. I heard that most of them were started by lightning. Can you confirm or deny those? Comments? I can confirm this. So I've lived out here for a little over three and a half years, and I have heard thunder on two occasions. That's how often there are thunderstorms here. But there recently, a few days ago, was a thunderstorm and some actual, obviously, lightning that precedes that. Um, yeah, and that actually started a lot of the fires. Unlike some of the recent big fires a year or two ago, which was PG&E failing to maintain their equipment and, oops, accidentally burning down whole towns and doing, you know, $5 billion worth of damage and killing 100 people. PG&E, were they the ones in the Aaron Brockovich movie? I don't remember, but I'm just going to say yes. Because PG&E is, is really bad at like being the villain company because like everybody knows like villain company 101 when you want to be like irresponsible is just like change your name or rebrand after you like, you know, burn a whole city down and kill 100 people, right? Oh PG&E gosh. is like, we're just going to pay our $4 million fine and move on. And they don't do anything different. Is phenomenal. Anyway, let them eat takes. 
Unless it's PG&E and they're like, let them eat flames. I need to be force-fed takes through a funnel right now to get the taste of that out of my mouth, so please. Well, let me start you with <laughs> something that's probably the exact same as swallowing fire, and that is what happened in the, in Cincinnati with Tom Brennan. <laughs> Ooh, talk about being too hasty, which is my segue into hasty takes. So I feel like Tom Tom Brennan is the guy who I, I guess does television play by play for the Cincinnati Reds and amongst other things. Um, and he is in his fifties, so he should know when a mic is hot and when it's not. I feel like after you do it for so long, you know that uh, maybe watch what you say when you're broadcasting. Well, he did not, and he dropped the uh, homophobic slur that starts with an F into a live mic just before well during coming back from a commercial break he thought it was just before a commercial break well maybe he was just on the phone with one of his pals across the pond because i don't know if you know this but that word is pretty innocuous in britain because it just means cigarette so maybe he was talking about a place where lots of cigarettes are made cigarette city that's a very that's a very Pollyanna take on it, I will say. <laughs> if if that's true, that would make some of his explanation make a lot more sense. Because one of the things he said was, oh, that's not really me. Which, um, by definition, it is really you. Like, if what you do when you think no one's listening or watching, like, that's really you. So you're kind of like... You're referencing is his... More you? You, might, you might be referencing his half-assed on-air apology. Well, and, and Jonathan, was it half-assed because he didn't try, or was it half-assed because it got interrupted and he only gave half of it? Uh, I, think, I think all of the above. He was interrupted by, yes. by a Reds home run. <laughs> he stopped his apology to make the home run call. I honestly... Well, it's not is, like he went woo-hoo. If this isn't I mean, 2020, I don't know what it is. I, w- I watched it, and he called it like he knew that was the last home run he was ever going to call in his whole career. Like, so oh, he's likely calling, yeah, his last home run ever as the, the ball lands literally in an area labeled the judgment-free zone. <laughs> it's an ad for Planet Fitness that says judgment-free zone. And it's misspelled, too. Judgment is spelled with an extra E. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're kidding. <laughs> no. And I think that's a I, T-Mobile I, ad. <laughs> no, no, no. It's Planet Fitness. Des- it's Planet Fitness. I can't decide if that's the part where the oh, writer's my. room for 2020 – was just like so extra inspired or so extra lazy. And like, I can't tell the difference anymore. I'm starting to believe uh, the uh, premise of a certain episode of South Park where the kids find out their entire life is just a scripted television sitcom for aliens to watch. That must, (laughs) there there has to be some element of truth to that at this point. It's not, not true. During this game where he apologized the ninth inning, he he wasn't in the booth. They just had a a guy standing there with a trumpet playing taps. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they did uh suspend him they have not fired him oh he's um, gone they fired, oh, they him, fired him yeah that was just 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 this afternoon they fired him he's i done. thought i already was suspended oh they fired him. they finished they fired him. i guess they slow rolled it out he's a goner man he's, oh you're yeah, right i see it I eternally see it. suspended yes i mean <laughs> this guy anyway i don't want to spend too much talking about it but i just think it's the most 2020 the way he apologized get out of here get out of here yeah. It wasn't as bad as Mike Gundy's uh, fake apology, but he did suffer worse consequences, which is also very 2020. I'm not even going to like dignify any of the people 
who were commenting on on this on any social media platform were like, should somebody lose their job for this? Like, yes. <laughs> the answer <laughs> is yes. Well, I'm dying to know what the heck he was talking about it. And I'm one of those people who loves context. But just with the two seconds we got, context just doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter. Your job is to speak into this mic. If you speak into the <laughs> yeah. mic, a word that pisses off a lot of people, you did your job poorly and you gots to go. Like, like I, this if, is so simple. Yeah, if you accidentally get caught on the hot mic saying, I don't know, Hitler wasn't that bad, then context only helps that so much, right? Right. Like, it just is what it is. Anyway, sticking with baseball, my my favorite baseball player, Trevor Bauer, that's not true. Acuna, you're still my favorite. Um, he thought he'd make a bold statement See, here's what I like Trevor Bauer. There's not another, um, uh, how do I say this, talent. There's no one as talented doing the social media thing well, this well in baseball. There's not like, you know, in the NFL, you have all kinds of people on social media doing like cool stuff, interesting things. NBA, you could probably find some interesting um, social media stuff from the players. There's really not. It's just really odd for baseball. So he sticks out and we talk about him a lot because there's really no one else. So you remember Joe Kelly, he got suspended for throwing high and tight on um, Carlos Correa. Is that right? And um, he got suspended and then he appealed. And I don't, I don't really know what happened with the appeal. Did they deny it? Did they, is it even been decided? I don't know. Either way. I, I think they said no. But I don't oh, okay. remember. Well, either way, there's been a, is it a hashtag or more of a, like a, it's it's like a, Funny. It's a movement, John. It's a funny. It's a, I was about to say it's, it's a. a it's a. I don't know if they're serious or funny, but I want. It's a I liberation wanna, of a folk hero, John. It's a liberation of basically. It's called Free Joe Kelly. So this guy, Trevor Bauer, for his next start, which was I believe yesterday, um, he gets his cleats painted to say Free Joe Kelly on one side, printed to say Free Joe Kelly on one side, and the and Joe Kelly's like face when he's doing the pouty lip on the other, and he's like. <laughs> all over the internet all day. It's like, I'm wearing these cleats tonight. And then he tweets this uh, after he won the game. So it's for everyone wondering why I didn't wear the cleats tonight. Major League Baseball threatened to eject me and suspend me and levy unprecedented fines against me if I did. I could put my teammates at risk like that. Earlier this year, Major League Baseball said players could put whatever they wanted on their cleats as long as it wasn't political or offensive. Apparently Rob, and he's referring to Rob Manfred, the MLB commissioner, is not a fan of players following his rules. As Free Joe Kelly is not a political and is very clearly said, not a political statement, and is very clearly said in jest. Just leaves me over here wondering how following the rules equals ejection, suspension, fine, and cheating your way to the World Series equals no ejection, suspension, or fine. Y'all really know how to pick your battles. Learn my lesson, though. Fun is, fun is bad. Cheating is good. Won't make the same mistake twice. Can promise you that. Yeah, let's all remember hitting grand slams very bad for the sport. Oh man, that's a, I, that is something else. But I, it is, I, I mean, runs. it's not wrong about Rob Manfred. Just in this, anytime anyone gets suspended or fined, it's so easy to just be like, "Oh, well, the Astros cheated and won a World Series and didn't get anything happened to them," and they're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. Like, it, it's not their fault that it's low hanging fruit. It's Rob Manfred's fault that it's low hanging fruit. Anyway, incredible stuff. 
So, um, incredibly, incredibly. So, Kyrie Irving, where does he play nowadays? I'm not, I'm pretty ignorant on the NBA. He does not play anywhere at the moment because he's just hanging out, but he is under the employ of the Brooklyn Nets. Ah, okay. Where great talent goes to flourish. <laughs> you know it. So, uh, Men in Blazers is a, uh, a soccer. Uh, podcasts and TV show. They're basically two uh, British people who now live in the States and they talk British Premier League soccer, American soccer, American women's soccer, MLS, that kind of stuff. And they posted a, so like a question just to generate some thoughts on Twitter the other day. This was yesterday. And um, they asked, who is American sports Neymar and why? And probably the best response I read to that question. It's a guy named Cameron Davis, and he said Kyrie Irving because he's flashy. He rubs people the wrong way. Infamous move of franchises, as Neymar did. Neymar went from Barcelona to Paris Saint Germain. Used to play with the goat. Uh, Kyrie used to play with LeBron, and uh, Neymar used to play with Messi, and came from a traditional powerhouse, aka Kyrie Irving went to Duke. Neymar came from Brazil. And they're both injury prone. And I thought that was about as accurate a nine American sports Neymar as there is. Um, what do y'all think? What are what are Neymar's thoughts on flat earth and other conspiracies? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Does Neymar think the earth is flat? Because if he does, then this just his doppelganger. Is I don't Brazil know, but yeah, Kyrie. Kyrie's big on that. He is or the one least... who started the whole flat earth thing, isn't he? Yeah, he's also one of those guys that likes to be like, oh, no, I just do it as a joke. If Neymar is Kyrie Irving, then who is Neymar's LeBron when uh, Kyrie was in Cleveland? It's got to be messy, right? Yeah, it's messy. I don't know if we have the same uh, – of course, LeBron – that gif of LeBron like holding his hands out like, what are you doing? It wasn't for Kyrie. It was for somebody else. It was for J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we have a gif quite like that where they're like, what are you doing? But yeah, I mean, it's exactly the same, right? Neymar was like, uh, you know, had to run away from Messi because he couldn't handle being second fiddle. Right. Now he's over at PSG where he's still second fiddle to Mbappe. <laughs> yeah, he was like first fiddle for like two years and then he got passed. Yeah. Um, keep it in soccer for just another second. I read a really interesting um, take about Messi who, and you know, I'm not going to, be one of those people um, who's going to pretend attempt to say Messi isn't the greatest of all time. He's certainly up there. If, if not the greatest, he's one of the top two or three. However, I also believe this take to be true. So I know that – I know Scott follows European soccer a little bit. Justin, I'm not sure you do as much. I don't. So – Different leagues in Europe are known for different things. So I'll just For example, the Italian league is known for fixing matches, right? <laughs> and being involved with organized crime. Truth. Uh, let me just read the quote before the, I explain The French this. league is known for throwing bananas at black players. Oh, Italy <laughs> too. Kidding. Oh, and Italy too. I don't want to leave them out. You're, I'm sorry. You're, you're, you're kidding. Dude, racism in soccer is in the most Italian thing. Um, so England um, has a Premier League, and there's an Argentinian striker named Gonzalo Iwain, 
and he played he's played for some of the best teams in the entire world including teams in spain real madrid teams in england chelsea which plays out of london and um i believe he spent time at in italy playing for juventus if i'm not mistaken i might be wrong about that i'll need to check that but um Anyway, he would know about the differences between the leagues because he's played in them all. He's played in all of them. Um, yeah, he also – I was right about Juventus. He also played for Napoli, another pretty good team in Italy. Um, someone asked him if he ever thought Messi would go to, to England to play in England. I don't know why they asked him that, but they did. And he said, England, over there, defenders kick the shit out of you <laughs> and nothing gets given by the referees. <laughs> They're built like wardrobes, and they hit you. That's on Messi playing in England. And that made me laugh because, first of all, it's funny. Second of all, it's incredibly true. So I just picture some big meaty guy from Cockney just trucking. That's very accurate. (laughs) Boy, my itchy football. (laughs) If I could play the compare the leagues in Europe to like, like, College football conferences, I would say the Premier League is like the SEC. Just Maybe in more the like physic- the Big Ten. You think so? Just yeah. the physicality of it. It's just such a physical league. They play defense like so well there. There's not going to be – usually the flashy players don't do the flashy thing in England. When you see flashy players, that's usually Italy or Spain, really. Spain to me is like the Big 12 where you have two really awesome teams, maybe three and a bunch of scrubs. Big 12, he never got three awesome teams. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving too much credit to the Big 12. But like Messi, <laughs> transcendent talent, no doubt. But is he scoring 70 goals in one calendar year or whatever he did that year if he played in England? Heck, no, he's not. He's going to get that if he plays in Spain where they don't hard, where 12 to 13 of the teams are like remedial teams. They're like, how do I, how do I soccer? Anyway, that's enough soccer. I'm sorry I bored you. Bored uh, a lot of the listeners with soccer, but I love soccer. So, and I thought that take was good. Uh, I dug up a nice little take from uh, Tackler Media, who is uh, about to be the, the premier voice on Atlanta sports going forward. Um, and it was a soundbite of Jeff Collins, who is Georgia Tech's head coach at a recent conference, where he said, and I quote, we're light years ahead of where we were last year. And uh, my question is, if last year you started at the center of a pitch black gravity hole and you are light centuries away from any sun that could sustain life, where are you now? I'm just saying we're talking about from a physics standpoint, you're still in the black hole. Right. (laughs) Like if he's trying to strike, strike fear in the heart of his ACC opponents, like I don't I don't know. Like, I'm still looking at, like, if I'm Mac Brown and I'm looking at Georgia Tech, I'm like, yep, cupcake, easy. And and you would be right you're, to think that. You're talking about a program that for 10 years, the forward pass was just one of their trick plays. And they suddenly got to a point where they decided they wanted to be like a semi-modern offense and they can't even pass the ball past the first, first down sticks. So, I don't know. I, I'll say this. Uh, the expectations are quite low. So exceeding expectations is very doable when your expectations are inside a black hole, right? If we go by SP plus, sorry, S and P plus, I will not be censored. Um, 
from Bill Connolly, Georgia Tech is projected to be the 58th best team in college football this year. Out of like the 40 that are going to play, actually. Yeah. And when you think like ranked 58, okay, there's only five major conferences, roughly 12, 12 times five. Well, that's 60 teams. Okay. So 58 is not a good number. Um, and for reference, they're just behind the likes of Western Kentucky, Southern Methodist, Navy, BYU, Louisiana. That's not Louisiana State. That's Louisiana. Louisiana. Right. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I thought you meant LSU. I was like, Great that's a weird way to say LSU, Scott. Yeah, no, no. Just just Louisiana, whatever school that is. It's somewhere in Louisiana. Nobody knows. I think they do a rotating campus. It's a different position every year. I don't remember. Yeah. I know that's the Homer cast coming in loud and clear. I will say, I think Georgia Tech will actually be a functional football team this year. It oh, won't be good, but they'll, they'll be, be better. Yeah. I, yeah, they can't help but be better. Oh, I say I I make fun of them a lot because to me Jeff Collins, uh, he he seems like Butch Jones 2.0 a lot, but he is very entertaining. And <laughs> he's I got know, that big Butch energy for sure. Right, and he's so obsessed with marketing, and he's so obsessed with like what he calls culture building to a point where it just sounds like I don't know. To me, he sounds like a a, a man in his mid to late 40s who's out of touch with kids, but really desperately wants to get in on what whatever they're vibing on. Can, can we all agree that the, the funniest outcome here is in about like year three or year four, he like wins their half, their division of the conference, like one time and then leaves Georgia tech to take a marketing job at Coca-Cola. <laughs> Step up. If you ask me, well, that's the thing. Like if he does, like if he just gets back to a Paul Johnson level of like, wins and losses without doing the dumb things Paul Johnson had to do to get those wins. Like he would, he could be an actually decent candidate for a better head coaching gig. And I wouldn't put it past him to pack up and leave because why not? So um, Georgia tech just announced that they're planning to allow fans at football games this season, uh, 20% capacity for Bobby Dodd uh, okay. face coverings will be required. Socially distanced tailgate is allowed on campus. And um, the best thing I read on Twitter all week was uh, a guy named at Clay Cribs retweeted uh, that announcement and said, hey, now, this is no time to be doubling attendance. <laughs> He's nice. not wrong. Nice. Uh, lots of gifts of people saluting him <laughs> and replying to that. <laughs> uh, I mean, I make fun of him, but man, poor tech. I make fun of them, not poor tech. Whatever. <laughs> I don't give a crap. There you go. That's what I need to hear. I feel like we, we bring up Barstool every once in a while on the show because why not? It's like they're sort of the, the big leaders in the social media sports world. The answer to why not is because they really kind of suck. Right. But I mean, we're mostly highlighting stuff that kind of sucks. So here we are. Exactly. If you're talk, if you're going to have a sports podcast about the outrage era, you couldn't not talk about Barstool. Uh, Dave Portnoy, we've mentioned on the show, bit of a uh, divisive character. Did you guys hear that he has COVID-19? I did not know that until you told me. <laughs> so he has COVID-19. I didn't mean to laugh. I hope he's okay. I don't know why I laughed at that. <laughs> he has COVID-19. Maybe it's because I'm envisioning in my head the complaints of him having COVID-19. Like the he's, way he he's reviews, a complainy type. The way he yeah. reviews pizza, he reviews his COVID that way. 
So Barstool is a publicly traded company now, I guess, because the way I read the story was that stocks dipped about 2.5% after news broke that he had COVID-19. Cause I guess the fear is if he's gone, which he has a chance of, you know, die of COVID-19. If he's gone, the whole enterprise just falls apart because it basically revolves around his douchebag personality. So he sends <laughs> out this really nice video. <laughs> now get this. People are afraid that he's going to die. So to, to prove his vitality, he sends a video of himself lying in bed looking like death (laughs) he calls it emergency press conference colon cult leaders don't die from covid (laughs) i I gotta say he sort of like fancies himself a bit of a day trader on the stock market and i think he missed a real opportunity there to just put out some pictures of video of him looking practically dead and let the stock crater a little bit and then buy a whole bunch back for himself I mean, is it, here. Is, it intri- is it insider trading if you are both the insider and the person buying and the information source oh, all at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> just it just showed me the, the picture, the thumbnail is, of him. Is that not like, good? It's a dead body. Why am I laughing? At, I think I'm laughing because he posted this himself. With that crazy title about, and he posted this himself. Yeah, saying no, nah, he posted I'm it good. himself. Like I can laugh at this. He posted this himself. Right. Oh my gosh. Uh, I mean, <sighs> thoughts and prayers out for Dave Portnoy. You know, I, I, you know, he does. I imagine he does bring some value to the world, even though people, you know, he is kind of a douchebag on social media. But man, yeah, farts and prayers. <laughs> <laughs> so so there is no. Um, there is no doubt that Barstool has a kind of what do you how you say tone uh, flavor to them, and it's not for everybody. Some people really like it. It tends to be a little more like collegey bro bra frat guy that kind of thing. That's kind of like so the real cream of the crop. Yeah, yeah. However, they do stuff well in that they're very active on social media. They have figured they not only have like social media, their main social media, but they've they've gone and created like local social media stuff for each college town and stuff. Like the stuff they do is actually pretty pretty smart. Um, so Jeff Schultz signed off on Barstool though. He said, "Who is Jeff Schultz? Pray tell us." Oh my gosh, I think he's <laughs> right for the agency and I write for the Athletic, and he's. He's a he's firmly in that now at his age. He's, he's aggressively in, average. Yeah, he's firmly yeah. in that get off my lawn camp, where he's going to give his takes, and but anything that's a little bit different or that's not quite his, he thinks it's the worst. Not I, I didn't mean to say not quite his. It's not quite his style. Let's put it that way. Um, he says Barstool. He retweeted where Barstool announced their CEO Erica Nardini um, has predicted for sports media for the sports media world post coronavirus, that personality is going to matter and you're going to find personality in non-traditional places. Now I didn't read the article. That's just the tweet. And she's probably never read the article. It's all in the headline. She's she's not, I'm not going to say she's wrong about that. Just just retweeted that and said, Barcelona is the armpit of the smelliest organism in the sewer of the media. There's your personality. And like, Whoa, like he's been holding on that one for a while. Like someone is salty. Um, Drew Butler, former UGA punter, kicker, said, 
Their loyal following, heavy traffic, top podcast rankings, and successful brand crossovers would disagree with you. So Burn. I was, well, I thought that was a pretty funny retort. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, that's two different things. One, you're talking about, is Dave Portnoy kind of a douchebag? Yeah, he kind of is. Uh, that is their brand. We talked about it earlier in a show about how every attempt to get them canceled on social media has failed because being uh, being the way they are is part of their brand. So if they say things that are that come off as racist or misogynistic or whatever, like you're not scaring people away because that's maybe what's drawing them in in the first place. Yeah. No, you're but, not wrong about that. But he's but but the original tweet is right like and i you could see it by the way that social media and youtube stars have these massive followings and they do it from a very they're kind of amateurish you know that's like the production quality's gotten better for these people who are self like they call themselves content producers i think it used to be called influencer and then the firefest documentary came out and basically trash those people but anyway those people do it really well and then when you see like celebrities like jimmy fallon and like his talk show host try to do it it looks terrible mm-hmm. like they have no personality it's boring people don't want to watch jimmy fallon on a zoom call all right so the nba draft lotto is i don't know like kicking ping pong balls or like burning candles to determine the order of picks right now or something. So mm-hmm. we're going to go ahead and talk about a couple quick hasty basketball takes. Uh, Kendrick Perkins, a former professional basketball player and also very bad at discussing basketball <laughs> in public, recently said, sign yeah. Tatum to Mahomes deal. Uh, comparing Jason Tatum to Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs and basically saying, pay him as much money as you possibly can and treat him like Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Jason Tatum is a very good player. He will and should get the max. He also should in no way be compared to Patrick Mahomes, the most valuable player in the NFL by an incredibly wide margin. That is not Jason Tatum to the NBA. That is nonsense. But he wears a jersey that says Boston on it, and Kendrick Perkins has to be loud, so there you go. sticking with basketball um our favorite uh medium-sized shirt wearer dan um, (laughs) mentioned you know he did remember to inform us all that the nba draft lottery is tonight slash was tonight and he said that it's not as vomit inducing as last year since the group of prospects isn't as good so having good players in the draft makes it a bad draft check. Um, what what is vomit inducing about a good? I just don't right. understand. He said, and he goes on as the NBA's decision to even further randomize who gets the best players was one of the league's rare blind spots. So he's saying that yeah, it's good that the players are all bad because then when you randomize who gets all the bad players, it doesn't mean anything because none of the players are good. Um, this is classic. Dan probably doesn't really watch the NBA or like pay that much attention. He just like, you know, I'm sure he's heard of the NBA. He could probably name a few teams, <laughs> but uh, that's so, about it. There's a reason that the NBA draft lottery is randomized the way it is. It's in right. response to teams tanking and trying to hack the system because having one super awesome LeBron James player on your team is worth so much. It's so incredibly valuable and hard to find. 
that is absolutely worth tanking for five straight years on purpose so that you are guaranteed to be, you know, one of the top two teams in the league for like 15 straight years. Right. So they had to, they had to flatten the odds so that you can't just hack it like that. Right. And now Dan is mad that the NBA fixed the flaw in the system or something. Right. So I don't know. Must be a Knicks fan. So something Dan Wilkin tweeted in that tweet says, uh, the, the NBA's decision to randomize who gets the best players is one of the league's rare blind spots. Not to sound like Clay Travis, because that's something not something anyone would ever want to do. But I do feel the NBA <laughs> has a pretty large blind spot when it comes to uh, China and all that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cash is king. That's their one, like, so actual for Dan, real blind spot. Right, for Dan, but you know, Dan goes, it's a rare blind spot for the NBA. I'm like, really? Really, though, Dan? <laughs> well, I would say it is rare because they that's their real one is the China one. But yeah, he like missed the alley oop to try and like chuck it full court and make a, you know, full court three or something. I don't know what you're thinking, Dan. Like take the easy one. Yeah. Hit him with hit him with the China. Right. I think uh Dan Wolken needs to uh wake up to the fact that it's more vomit inducing for him to be a grown man and to wear shirts that are so undersized. You can always see his nipples protruding from them. Ah, so it is big nip energy. Is that our last hasty? The Woken has spoken. All hail. Yeah. All hail there's Cardinal like Woken. Apparently NFL kickers are worried about kicking without fans in the stands or something. What? Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, it's going to be less loud. You're going to be able to see more clearly. It helps your sight lines, just like the basketball NBA bubble has seen. Um, there's going to be like less flatulent, flatulence-induced wind. Um, I feel like yeah. kicking, they always try to make kicking, not that there's no psychology to kicking, but they always harp on the psychology of kickers. So I guess anytime there's a, you know, something to feed that, they're going to harp on it. Like, oh, there's no one in the stands. What will the psychological impact of that be on the kicker? Well, it's funny watching the kick, the place kickers go out in the NFL because a lot of them are uh, – they don't look like football players. Um, they Some of them are in their <laughs> 40s. Some of them have – Except for Janikowski. Janikowski looks like a football player. Right. He looks like – he's the exception rather than the rule, though. Most of them – think like Matt Bryant where he's like 5'8" has kind of a beer gut, but he has like these incredibly toned legs and he just gets out there and he just boots a ball. Yeah. I read the article and it made reference to things like there's less because there's not going to be, you know, 60 to 80,000 fans in the stadium. There's no, nothing to really buffer against the wind and it affects the air pressure. So I could definitely see how that affects the uh, flight of a football. Mm-hmm. I've heard. No, I agree. I've heard people say that it's affected the way baseballs uh, have been, the way it's been hit in a stadium. It's a little bit different. I don't know if that's true. I just, I don't know. I I brought it into the show because it was one of those things I would have never thought about. Like, what's going to be so hard about uh, playing football with zero fans? It's not going to be the fact that Michael Thomas doesn't have anyone to showboat in front of when he catches a six-yard slant. Hey, those are three-yard slants. You get your math right. (laughs) Get it right or pay the price. We interrupt 
this dumb sports podcast to bring you knowledgeable opinions. Joining us on the show is our resident basketball expert, Kevin Sprague. Joining us on Let the Meat Takes is Kevin Sprague, our uh, NBA guru. He knows all things NBA. I know zero things NBA. Scott knows some things about the NBA. Justin, what is Don't know anything. I know as much as you or less. (laughs) Justin, what does NBA stand for? It stands for... National Badminton. Right. Um, Yeah. That's it. National Badminton Association. We're halfway there. You're almost there. That's true. I know there's a shuttlecock involved in their uh, Mm. their things. It's 2020. You can't say that. Yeah. Um, so we uh, we noticed that the Hawks got the number six pick and the Timberwolves got the number one pick in the NBA lottery. Yeah, Kevin, what are your thoughts on the NBA lottery in general? In general, I was actually pretty happy with how it played out. So um, some of this is I only really only had one team I did not want to win the lottery. Can I guess? Yes, absolutely. Is it the Knicks? Actually, no, no. I think they'd be good for the league if the Knicks finally get you know a bone thrown their way at some point. I don't know. The league's been doing pretty well. The Knicks have never been good in my lifetime. <laughs> they, were, they had a decent stretch in the nineties. Yeah, you they, to go made, back to they made the playoffs twenty five years ago. Good yeah, something like that. <laughs> They've made it since, but you know, not much success. Yeah. Uh, the, the Knicks and the Lakers were actually. Um, the worst teams in terms of wins for the past decade. Mm-hmm. Seriously? They were. Mm-hmm. The lowest I, winning percentage in the last decade. It, it I, I think it was like maybe it was last year, the last time I looked this up, so I forget the exact number, but you had to go back to like the early 2000s or something before you could find somebody the Knicks drafted and gave a second contract to. Oh, wow. I was not aware of that. It was like insane. It was just absurd. And like the couple times they were good, they shipped them out and everybody else was just trash. Yeah. A lot of that was the Carmelo Anthony trade. Um, they traded several good players uh, to bring Melo and, in. And then Porzingis, they were like, Oh, he's actually good to get him yeah. out of here. <laughs> yeah. Well, Porzingis, <laughs> you know, allegedly had uh, communicated to them that he didn't want to be there anymore and yeah. he wasn't planning on re-signing with them. So they shipped him out, yep. but you know, a lot of people also assume that they had their eyes set on Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant coming to the Knicks, which means <laughs> good thing happening to the Knicks, which doesn't <laughs> happen. So probably not the best thing to bet on if you're a betting person, but they continue to bet that way. Yeah, they think they think they're the Lakers, but they're not. That's basically their problem. Very true. Well, Knicks fans, just in my experience, they seem to have the attitude of they're very deserving of being great because they'll always say like, well, we just applauded and clapped really hard when Kobe dropped 60 points on us. So we're just like very classy. We just recognize greatness elsewhere. Uh So therefore, we're hoping some greatness will come our way eventually. (laughs) Just my experience. Yeah. They are the most bougie losers in the NBA. (laughs) So uh, I got you off track. Who was the one team that you did not want to win? Cleveland. Uh, Oh, they've had so many number one picks. They have won the number one overall pick four times this century. Um, Yeah. One of those, of course, LeBron James. Um, But then three times the past decade, they used it on Kyrie Irving. It was a pretty even split, right? It was two clear number ones and two trash drafts. Um, yeah, yeah. For the most part, um, 
the year that they I took mean, Andrew they, Wiggins, you know, maybe there was like another player or two. But he was the clear with. number one, but he's like not really a, a well, guy you really want number one overall, right? Well, and Joel, then, of course, yeah, Joel they, Anthony Bennett won. Yeah, if Embiid wasn't like broken in half in college, yeah, he had yeah, all those, all those injuries. But you know, he's been the best player from that draft, hands down. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So as far as this year's draft goes, is uh, I've heard that it's not a super strong draft class. Would you agree? Uh, that's the general consensus. There's really no player that everyone's agreed upon. Like last year with Zion Williamson. Um, this year, you've, you know, it depends on who you check in terms of sources. Uh, there's been a strong push for Lamelo Ball, the younger brother of uh, Lonzo Ball, the uh, youngest son of um, notorious blabbermouth and buffoon Lavar Ball. Um, <laughs> shout out, Big Baller Brand. Uh, so a lot of people have been, you know, praising him. He's a very creative player, um, great passer. That whole family, you know tends to be besides the middle brother, I guess. So the oldest and youngest. Um, basically, <laughs> right, he's probably the one with the most star potential, um, but there are a few other you know, decent players. Anthony Edwards out of Georgia should be a pretty good player. Um, Ant-Man. James Wiseman uh, from Memphis, who played for a little bit longer than one half, I think. <laughs> uh, <Yeah>. NCAA. <laughs> played for like a everything. week. Yeah, if, really? yeah, something like that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, uh, Penny Hardaway, the coach of Memphis, mm-hmm. uh, helped his mom, I don't know, rent a moving truck or something when she moved to Memphis. Something stupid like this. Yeah. Oh, okay. The NCAA has plenty of its issues. Uh, I've taken the NCAA, but I'll show you. Pray tell us. Just one. <laughs> so <laughs> this is the NCAA's MO. What's the dumbest possible thing that can be done in this situation? Let's do that. That's the business model. <laughs> That's actually pretty accurate and then and then like 20 minutes after the fact they go oh well maybe we can change that a little bit and look better maybe we can change that a little bit and look better so (laughs) i always felt like their decision making process was just them spinning a wheel and nine out of the ten options are incredibly stupid and it never lands on the semi-rational one that (laughs) that's fair (laughs) that's fair (laughs) (laughs) yeah but overall, so, again, uh, the one team I didn't want to win was the Cavs. They've had it enough. They're a poorly run organization. You know, yeah. They just lucked into the fact that one of the best players in NBA history grew up down the road and had an emotional attachment to the area. Yeah. That's or pity, yeah. would you say? Pity. Pity, yeah, <laughs> pity probably played a part in there, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so if they had an average like ownership at the time when they drafted LeBron, he never would have left. He would have been there for his entire yeah. career. Yeah. Uh, but Dan Gilbert sucks. Yeah. They've churned through coaches too. Um, they never would rehire a GM. They would always bring in a GM that had not been a GM before basically. So they could yeah. pay him the least amount. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as his first contract ran up, they would get rid of him. Yeah. But it's really hard to build cohesive teams over like a decade when the GM's only there for three years at a time. Right. Yeah, I mean, David Griffin was decent GM, and he's with New Orleans yeah. now. Danny Ferry, who ended up in Atlanta before he left embroiled in controversy, um, <laughs> yeah. he did mm. he did a decent job at least during LeBron's first stint. But I mean, that's not yeah. the you know that's not a franchise that you look to as oh man they've got anything together. Um, yeah, but 
Well, what was particularly bad to me always about like the GM stuff, right, is they were only saving like a million dollars a year or like two million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to say it's not worth a million dollars to try being really good at like building this team for that has like a one billion dollar valuation. Yeah. And like, I, come on. Like you can all of your players make so much more than that. Yeah. And I think That's if finances insane. are really that tight and that important, um, paying two to three coaches to not coach there is probably not the wisest decision in the world, but nevertheless, they keep doing it. Is that what you call dead money? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, so you mentioned you're a Portland fan. Are you also, uh, cause you also live in the Atlanta area. You're a Hawks fan, right? Of course. Yeah. Hawks number one for me. So I understand having a second team. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I understand that. So, I, I kind uh, of justified yeah. it as my East coast and West coast teams. Oh, there, that works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what is it? What is it about Portland? That team? Uh, I really am drawn to small, small market teams. The teams that don't always get the notoriety, um, uh, that, you know, maybe they, deserve in certain instances um mm-hmm. i really like damian lillard he's a fantastic player um he would be like a global superstar if he was in a larger markets imagine what he would be if he was with the knicks or anything like that um, is he better than steph curry oh gosh that's tough um i'll say his career is not going to be better. There's no question about that. At this point, I think he's close. That's as far as I can go. You have to give respect to Steph Curry and what he's done. Um, those are two of the best shooters, at least at the point guard position in the entire league, two of the most exciting are you shooters a fan of the range. Max, hmm? Are you a fan of Max Kellerman? <laughs> Try not to be. Because <laughs> he, he went on oh, the air careful, this week. Careful, careful. Went on the air this week and basically said, not only was does he think he's better than Steph, he didn't. I didn't say like he's you know heads and shoulders better than Steph Curry, but he the way he said it was, I think he's better in the postseason than Steph Curry is, which is saying a lot because I think Steph Curry's won Finals MVP at least once in his career, right? He hasn't. No, No, he hasn't. No, he hasn't. No, No, Durant won it, and Andre Iguodala won it because they refused to give it to LeBron LeBron because his team didn't Mm -hmm. win, which was really extra dumb. Yeah, Steph has definitely a a checkered kind of you know results in the finals at least. So he hasn't won Finals MVP. He's been a two-time league MVP, um, but hasn't won Finals MVP. So it sounds. I don't know. I was looking at their stats and their post-game stats, and it looks like they're really good because I don't really watch a lot of basketball so i just go on stats like any other mm-hmm. like any journalist would right um and it looks like what damian lillard probably lacks in terms of postseason stats is just from lack of volume of postseason games in his career that's fair they've been portland's been to the playoffs they've been pretty consistent since he's been with them honestly i think there's right. only been one or two seasons that they didn't make the postseason since he's been with the basically yeah, the last four years, they've been knocked out by the Warriors three of those four years. Yep. So mm-hmm. Tough draw. it's not that they haven't been good. It's just that they've played the Warriors in the first and second round when the Warriors were the Super Warriors. Yeah, right. the main issue that I think Lillard and Portland are getting, Lillard specifically because he's the superstar. Um, so, again, superstars get pretty much all the credit when things go right and all the blame when they don't. Um, is the fact that they were not only lost in the conference finals last year to the Warriors without KD, they got swept 
in each of those games, they were leading heading into the fourth quarter. So that's where some of that criticism comes down. But I mean, it's tough to compare them because, you know, Willard by far is the unquestioned leader of Portland. I mean, Curry's been the leader of um, the Warriors, but Portland relies more on Lillard than I think the Warriors do on Steph over the years. I mean, they've had Clay Thompson, they've had Draymond Green, they've had Kevin Durant, they've had Andre Iguodala. Um, you know, CJ McCollum's a great player, but he's not necessarily on the he's level. Not those of, five players. Yeah, he's not necessarily those players. Um, yeah, I, I think it's you know right now it's probably pretty hard to really say that the Dame is better than Steph. Like, there's not a ton there to say that other than like you mentioned, Justin, the postseason stuff a little bit, most like really great players in NBA kind of see a lot of their numbers increase when they get to the playoffs. Cause they're sort of sandbagging in the regular season at mm-hmm. that point in their career. Mm-hmm. Um, and Steph has actually had a little bit of a drop off in, in some of his playoff runs, maybe injury related, maybe not. It's hard to know. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe fatigue too. sort of, I mean, yeah. Winning yeah. two back-to-back MVPs in the regular season, that's going to be a lot of minutes. It's going to be a lot of shots, yeah. a lot of work. But, like, the the comparison there would be, like, you know, the LeBron-level players, right, where, like, that hasn't seemed to uh, stop his playoff success or, like, individual stats. But maybe yeah. comparing to somebody like LeBron's not super fair, right? Yeah, that's tough. Um, that's a, a tough yeah. comparison. There are the, very few players in league history who have been like LeBron. Yeah, the, the interesting comparison to me for Dame and Steph, right, is swap their places. Mm-hmm. Put Dame on Golden State for that whole run. Put Steph on Portland for that whole run. Oh. Portland still has zero titles. Golden State probably still has two titles. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. You know? I mean, they play – they have a different style of play to Steph. Right. A little bit more accomplished as a passer. Um, Golden yeah. State, you remember before Durant got there – they were all about ball movement. Oh, yeah. um, Lillard's, you know, he can pass. He can be a very good passer, but Portland's more based on like isolation offense yeah. going between CJ, Damian Lillard. Now um, with this year, Car- Carmelo Anthony gets his, you know, touches every now and then and his time. Only to because Ariza's not there. <laughs> well, <laughs> Ariza's not quite the offensive player that Carmelo was. Oh yeah, he would just be there to play defense and hang out. While defense spot Dame up. Dame does Dame like stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Reason's a pretty good three point shooter, so spotting up from three is you know a good a good thing to have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Kevin, I got to know. How, talk to me about the Hawks. Okay. How do we fix the Hawks? <laughs> uh, <laughs> how do we make them competitive? Question is a uh, first first question to clarify mm-hmm. is a time machine possible <laughs> and. Quick answer to the second question is wait a little bit until all your players aren't age 20. So, Ooh, yeah. So the time machine thing is very interesting, but I'm wondering, are we going back to, um, you know, a, a time when the grass was greener for the Hawks, maybe, you know, Dominique Wilkins in the eighties, maybe uh, the stretch they had in the nineties with Matumbo and Christian Leitner, um, those well, guys, you just or... go back and keep Danny Ferry from reading emails on conference oh, yeah. calls. Well, that, that has <laughs> been just uh, actually yeah, an even keep better, the front office together. An even better thing that you could do with a time machine is go back and change some of the draft no. picks. No, <laughs> so, oh no, you don't even have to change. You don't even have to actually change the draft picks. You just have to not 
fire the front office people that ran off to the Bucks and gave him our secret scouting report of Giannis. That's true. That's true. We just missed out on Giannis a few years ago. The Hawks were the only team that brought Giannis over to the U.S. and worked him out at like a secret facility and didn't tell anybody. Seriously? And then we fired somebody in the front office and they went and took that report to Milwaukee and Milwaukee picked him like one spot in front of us. One spot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, One spot. Um, are you? That's again, a real story. That really. That's happened. a real story. Yeah, but it's the Hawks, so it doesn't get like any national coverage. Yeah, if that happened sure. with like the Lakers that. or something, Man, it'd be on every broadcast for yeah. a decade. Well, I mean, you can also look at you know the mid two thousands where in back to back drafts you pass up on Chris Paul and Darren Williams. Oof. This is all in one year to get, pick Marvin Williams, who you know has turned into be a decent NBA player, but is by no means. Um, either one of those point guards when you needed a point guard. Um, and then the following year drafting Sheldon Williams uh, with a top five pick. That's not too good. Um, you can look all the way back to, you know, 2000 when, you know, there was a trade uh, for the draft rights of Pau Gasol, um, who maybe yeah. he didn't want to play. That in one we was, don't know, but that one was bad. Yeah. You got that trade. And then, you know, there's some people who may still look back, you know, now two years ago and wonder, do you trade Luca? Do you go with Trey Young? Where do you land on that plane? So there's a lot of things you can do, but in terms of fixing the Hawks, it's going to be very interesting to see how, what they do, because um, this year in particular reports have been out that uh, for next season, the goal is to make the playoffs. How do you do that? Well, I don't know um, if you saw that they just changed their uniform colors and in their good. branding manual, the black color, it's like the gray color the gray, uh, symbolizes yeah. their uh, relentless pursuit of a championship. <laughs> so I think they, they fixed it, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the franchise that does have been one around since 2020. The franchise does have one. But wasn't it like title. when they were in St. Louis? Yes. Yeah. It was in the fifties, uh, I think sixties. Where do you uh, sit on the whole Luca Trey young thing? Um, Luka Doncic is the better player. You did get a pretty good return for him, but one to one, Luka Doncic is better than Trey Young. Mm. That's my opinion. People will dispute that. If you look at the stats, you know we can look at the numbers and you know go, oh well, Trey Young is getting more points and more assists, so that means he's naturally better. I don't think that's really the best way to evaluate the players. Um, but, you know, they, they did also get a first round pick out of it in the lottery. So, you know, that's, that's something spending on Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish should be a really good player and he feels an immediate need. But the way I look at that, is especially if you have a high pick, um, you know, two players, you know, their skills in aggregate, surpassing one player depending on how how much better they are than that one player it's really hard to say i think you have to compare one and one so who's better between trey young and luka Doncic? i think luka Doncic is better he was younger he had more experience um neither one of them is a good defensive player but luka at least has size um entree and you know weight so he won't be pushed around as easily um so that's where i fall on that i do think you can build a winner around Trey Young. I think it's easier to build a winner around Luka Doncic, though. Trey Young, you have to have every piece perfect for it to work, I think. 
but that's because of his defensive limitations. He's not just a bad defender. He's one of the worst defenders in the league. And some of that's effort. Some of that's maybe instincts. Um, some of that's playing on a bad defensive team as well. Like if you look at a lot yeah, of yeah. plus minus stats defensively, for starters, the worst players are always point guards. And second, the worst players are always just on bad defensive teams and the best players are always on good defensive teams. They, um, nobody's really figured a way to completely like suss out the individual contributions of that, you know, like for example, Kyrie Irving's traditionally measured as always a bad defensive player goes to a good defensive team in Boston for one year. And all of a sudden he's good on defense right. by the numbers, right. exact same player. He leaves and goes elsewhere. Oh, magically bad again. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think one thing I will say about Trey Young, though, is not the fact that the Hawks were a bad defensive team. They were also a very bad offensive team, and he was the engine of the offense. So he had to spend so much effort and so much of his energy on that side, at least getting them to. I can't remember exactly where they fell on offense, but they were right about bottom, middle of the pack. I think they were bottom third for the whole season. In the yeah, 20s. it was. It was somewhere close to, you know, it was yeah. in that like middle third group. And yeah. of course with him off the floor, they were like Atrocious. 105th ranked Atrocious. With 30 yeah. teams. So <laughs> you, can't, you can't knock him too much because he has to spend so much of his, you know, focus and energy on the offensive end, getting that going. But just the fact that, you know, Luca's not a good defensive player at all. He's not. No. Um, but he has at least size. But he's on a good defensive team. ability. Yeah, you know, things like that. So, yeah. Part of it is just having that size, John, makes it a lot easier to hide Luca as a mediocre defender. So he's... Right, that makes sense. Uh, is he, I don't remember if he's 6'6 or 6'8 or whatever he is, but, you know, he's kind of like a wing-sized player. So when he's bad on defense, you say, okay play hard on offense, and then whoever the worst player they have on offense, uh, we're just going to set it up so you guard him. Right. Well, he's a big enough guy where that can be a guy that actually kind of plays in the post a little bit, or it can be a guy that plays whatever position, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Trey Young's little. You can only hide him on a bad player on the other team that also happens to be little, or else they're just going to, like, you know, booty him right down inside the goal and easy points. Yeah. He's, I mean, so. he's very, you know, he's, he's shorter. He's also very slightly built um, in terms of his frame. So, you which know, is weird. People are screaming him. They knock him like a few feet away. <laughs> now he's a quick player, but he typically doesn't catch up when he gets knocked off course, run around yeah. screens. And then sometimes they like switching on the perimeter, which means that, you know, when a, a pick and roll comes at him, he's, you know, switching on to, a guy who's, you know, 6'10", 6'11", 7-foot taking him into the post, that's not a recipe for success. Yeah. That's where the size comes in. <laughs> and, and big picture, John, like uh, Kevin was saying earlier, usually at NBA, stars win. Mm-hmm. So if, if you have a choice between, like, the best player of a group or two other players – Usually, you're going to want to go with the one best player, right? Because there's right. only five. Um, there's only five people right. on the, on the so, court yeah. at the time. Yeah. yeah. The other thing too, the other part of it was like the Hawks did it for Trey Young and for a lottery pick in next year's draft. Next, the next year's draft turned out to be, you know, kind of average or maybe a little below average, and also the ping pong balls 
got them like the lowest possible pick they could have gotten from that Dallas Very trade. Very Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So, On brand. On yeah, brand there the was city. There was a, a world where they traded Luca for Trey and Zion. And that world, like, sucks to be the Mavericks. You got completely hosed. But it's the exact same trade. Yeah, the Nothing thing about the changed. trade is I think, I think it worked out for – for both teams, um, I will yeah, say that. Yeah, they didn't want to build a white guy in Atlanta. Eh, maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe also you have Dallas, um, which had you know a pretty steep history, um, or yeah. you know, pretty well um, constructed history and um, culture, especially with European players. With Dirk being there, um, they've mm-hmm. had several European players there. So, and they're just a better organizational culture. Um, overall, in my opinion, so it was a good. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Have you seen the him. Hawks on Twitter, though? Oh, the <laughs> Hawks are pretty good on Twitter. They're very good on Twitter, <laughs> and have been at that years. time. The Hawks organization was starting fresh, right? right? So there was no culture like good or bad. It's not a right. knock to say another team had better culture because it's just there was already a culture. This was a fresh slate for the Hawks, so. <laughs> Yeah. Well, apart from uh, being very mediocre, what do you think has been so hard about the Hawks really, like, I don't know, leaving an imprint on Atlanta or really endearing themselves to people in Atlanta? Because it seems like a lot of people in Atlanta love basketball, just maybe not the Hawks. Yeah, that's that's a really good question because Georgia is a very rich state in terms of basketball talent. Um, there's several you know NBA players who come from Georgia. Yeah, from the Atlanta area, greater Atlanta area. Um, some of it, I think, is the hold of football um, in the South, especially, you know, when you think about, you know, Georgia as a whole, you know, if you're ranking the most popular teams, probably University of Georgia football is going to be one of the top teams in terms of popularity in the state. So then when you get to the professional teams who, who are the most popular is probably going to be something like the Braves because of the nineties is probably going to be, um, which is the only Atlanta professional franchise that had won a championship until Atlanta United did a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, the Falcons have been pretty good. So they're probably up there. Um, the Hawks, they've, they haven't really done much. They've never made a conference finals. Actually they did um, yeah. until, until, um, Kyle Corver. Yeah, until that year. Um, which year was yeah, that? Yeah, I told Kyle Corver took him there. That's it. Yeah, yes. But in their history before that, they'd never made a conference finals. Yeah. You know, they made the playoffs several times. Yeah. Um, haven't really had too many like transcendent, like superstar players. I mean, yeah, you have basically, yeah. Um, no stars and no playoff success. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you have oh. neither of those, it's hard for the fan base to be interested. Yeah. Sure. I think sometimes people want a really nuanced answer to that question, but maybe it's just simple as, well, they don't have any transcendent talent. They don't have the wins. Yeah, It's not a free agent draw either, even though a lot of players live. They've never had a number one pick. So that's Is that true? Atlanta's never won the number one pick? Just the one in 75 where he went to play in the ABA. Dang. Dr. J. No, it was like David Thompson, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. They could have had Dr. J in one of those. I thought it was that. I can't remember exactly. And maybe maybe we had another number one pick, and it was Dr. J that played in the ABA, too, just to, like, twist the knife a little. I don't I, remember. It's I remember reading about ago. that not too long ago. I can't remember exactly what happened, but there was a possibility mm-hmm. of, you know, Dr. J playing with Pete Maravich. 
Pistol Pete. Um, but there was a contractual issue with uh, the ABA, and there was also an NBA issue in terms of contract. I think something with Milwaukee. I can't remember exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. But some of the but, star, superstars, yeah. sure. But but yeah, Justin, it's no stars, no playoff success, and like a lot of other Atlanta sports, you've had the perpetual cloud of ownership groups that just want mm. to squeak into the playoffs and make a profit rather than actually build a yeah. title winner. Mm-hmm. Who was that group that owned them and the Thrashers at the same time? And they Spirit. both played? Spirit. Yeah. We're suing each other for a decade. Oh. Yeah. That's part that of why bad. we lost. That's why Danny Ferry got outed for his uh, racist email reading was like internal power plays and in ownership group. It wasn't the racist emails. It was all power. Yeah. I said, that's why he got outed. That's why it got leaked. To it got leaked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Kevin, we've kept you long enough. Any parting thoughts for us? I really appreciate you coming on last oh, minute. Oh, no, I'm, I'm happy to join you guys. The draft lottery How do you feel really about fun. the Hawks at six? The Hawks at six. I'm very interested in seeing how the top part of the draft plays out because there are a few players, you know, like Lamelo Ball, who I spoke of earlier, um, who some people think that he is the largest, you know, best star potential in the draft, but – Based on how it's played out, um, if he doesn't know, go one, he goes four, right? I I don't know if the Bulls will take him. Oh, it's, oh, Charlotte's at three. Okay. Charlotte's at mm-hmm. three. They have a pretty good backcourt uh, yeah. with Devonte Graham and um, Terry Rozier, but I mean, Charlotte's no, star pick for yeah. star. Um, yeah, in my head, I saw purple and was. I can't see. I can't see Minnesota taking him. I can't see Golden State taking him. So Lamelo could fall to three or four. Well, who does, who does it, Minnesota it really have depends, I think, on for the Hawks. It really depends on what how it plays out one through five, particularly with what um, Cleveland does at five, because you know based on what they have, their area of greatest need is probably small forward. Um, the Hawks, I think, it's um, a secondary playmaker on offense. Um, who can also do some defense as well. So essentially a player who can uh, alleviate the pressure that teams throw at Trey Young. So someone who's a reliable playmaker, secondary playmaker. I think that's what they really need. Um, well, has, Anthony Edwards won't be there. so He's not going to be there, but there are a few other guys um, who could be in play. I'm very intrigued with a guy named Danny Avdia, who's, uh, who plays in Israel. Oh yeah. Um, so I'm yeah. intrigued by him, he, but I need he to would look add into to our all offense, no defense approach. Maybe a little bit. I've heard that he's a decent, like off ball defender at least. But yeah. We'll see. You know, you need development from the young guys, um, especially DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish for defense. Clint Capella, you haven't seen him, but he should be a good, you know, defensive player, especially rim protector. John Collins has made some strides on the defensive end, so. There, there's some interesting interesting potential for the Hawks. The Hawks could sign like two or three average veterans in free agency and be like 20 wins better next year. Just because like all the young people, all the young guys aging, not missing John Collins for half of this shortened season and having a functional eight or 10 NBA players instead of just like six. 
Right. Yeah, this year was kind of a throwaway year for them because they had so many expiring contracts and guys who were just there to beat up cap space pretty much and sit on the bench. Um, but one of the interesting things on how next year will play out is based on at least their young talent, you would assume they need more time to season. Organization wants to get to the playoffs, which probably needs, means you need veterans to win. However, six or six, say six of your seven best players are under the age of 24. That's not a recipe for winning. So are you willing to take some of those guys out of the starting lineup to lure more impactful veterans to the team in free agency so that they can maybe make the playoffs? Or maybe do you just punt on the possibly getting to the playoffs again for another year to let the younger guys develop this interesting crossroads? Yeah, which the ownership has basically said they don't want to do. I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. it's at least that's what that's what they said publicly. Maybe they don't mean it. Maybe they just think saying it publicly is enough to sell tickets. Yeah, and they don't really <laughs> care beyond that. Well, assuming that we'll have fans at the games right. here, we'll see. Well, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> who knows? Yeah. Well, Kevin, I really appreciate you coming on, man. And we definitely, if it's okay with you, we'd love to have you on again to talk and update us about not just the Hawks, but all the NBA stuff, maybe when they get to the finals. Happy to do it. <laughs> Thanks for having me on guys. Yeah, buddy. Thanks for, Thanks for joining. Man. So I was really struggling to find something unifying this week on Twitter because Twitter, as you know, is anything but unifying most days out of the week, but this week was just extremely hard. But Scott, I believe you found something which might actually bring us back together in the midst of this madness. I sort of found something. I would really rather say that history hath provided. In these troubling times, when the bonds we all share are threatened to be torn asunder by the quick takes, the hot takes, the medium rare takes, and the takes that are doomed to be deleted on Twitter tomorrow, we need a sports take to bring us back together. Now more than ever, these are the takes that unite us. So this is the Takes That Unite Us Evergreen Edition. And this Evergreen Edition is the Knicks suck. They did not deserve to win the lotto. And oh, look, they did not win the lottery. So I think we can all agree the Knicks suck as a team. The Knicks suck as a franchise. And yet every year the Knicks seem to think that they're going to sign all the good players and win. That never happens. The media covers them a ton. But they suck. They didn't win any games. They didn't win the lotto. Life continues on. It's basically the circle of life. And so, yeah, the take I found that from was the ringer. When did they put that out? Right immediately after the lotto, you say? Oh, no, that was last year. And they probably had one from 2018, and they probably had one from 2017. It doesn't matter because it's just as relevant in our day and age. It'll probably be relevant for the next 10 years. This is the take that unites us in perpetuity. Oh man, history until, until death do us part. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I feel like we could rename this segment "Why We Hate Large Sports Markets" because it seems like we consistently. It's true. It's true. If you're <laughs> it's, a, large, it's only the if you're large a major sports, market, it's only the large markets that have teams that suck and then get a lot of credit for like being mediocre or just right. being located in a city with a large population, right. like. I could run the Knicks better than their run. That's not my fault. That's the Knicks' fault. <laughs> uh, man, I am always united with.
with hating on stuff from New York. I'm not gonna lie. Woo! I mean, feel like the New York Knicks. I don't. They are in the same category as the NFC East. I was so mad when the Eagles uh, won the Super Bowl. It was I mean, really. I mean, annoying. not really. I like watching the Patriots lose because I don't know. I don't know if I like watching the Patriots lose as much as I watch as I like as I hated watching Philly fans rejoice. Well, they got to be the exception to the rule, which I guess you know that that's bound to happen eventually. You know, here's an NFC East team that didn't stay trapped in mediocrity. Yeah, except true. they kind of did. They just managed to win a Super Bowl with Nick Foles against the New England Patriots. which if you think about all of three all three of tom brady's super bowl losses have been to overachieving uh mediocre nfc east teams what can i say tom brady's not clutch and he loses to bad quarterbacks (laughs) (laughs) that'll tweet that'll will tweet all right you want me to wrap it yeah that's gonna do us this week on Let the Meat Takes. Au revoir. And take care of yourself out there. Wear a mask. Woo! Woo. Come put out these fires. No, the yeah, fires in California. Someone save Scott from the burning. Someone save Scott from all the fires. It's been 105 degrees and it's too smoky to go outside. And nobody here has AC. Uh, but I have AC. Haha. <laughs> sucks. Sucks. Thank you again for listening to Let Them Eat Takes. If you have a take you want to give us, you can find us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Let Them Eat Takes and on Twitter at Eat Takes Pod. Au revoir. See you next time.